0: Good morning and welcome to City Hope Church. Today, Pastor Peter will be preaching on praying in tongues. Let's pray. Let's, Father God, we just thank you for the opportunity this morning to open your word around a powerful topic. Father, I pray, Lord, today for your Holy Spirit to be in the place this morning as, as we, we, we preach on, on just a, an amazingly important topic. And so, Father, we just uh, ask you to be here today with a spirit of revelation, wisdom and power. Father, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I love hearing about or studying revivals of old. Uh, I'm a a fan of the the, the Reformation, uh, which which was just, it was literally last October, 500 years ago, exactly 500 years to the day of the Reformation, when the Reformation started. And uh, the Protestant church was born. We are in right now a Protestant church. There's, there's kind of two ter- types of churches in, in, in Australia. There's the Protestant church uh, and the Catholic church. And uh, I love the, 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 the Reformation and, and hearing about it, how, how that all came to be and then the, the, the change. I mean, we, we, we live under the, 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 the uh, result of the Protestant Reformation. And in, in my lifetime, Melanie and I have been to the Pensacola Revival, which was a, a church in America in June 18, 1995. A guy by the name of Steve Hill just got up to preach. It was Father's Day. He got up to preach and he he preached. And then all these people came to know Christ. And so he, he thought, oh, I should preach again. And so he stayed on a Monday night and he preached. And all these people came to Christ. And I think there was something like 155,000 people over the course of about eight years came to know Jesus through the Pensacola revival, and Melanie and I went over there. Uh, I went over there three times. Melanie went over there twice. We have a daughter that was uh, was was given by a word of knowledge. We prayed. We were prayed for at the church, and uh, and the uh, the baby that we conceived was Lakeisha. Uh, but it was a result. We are having trouble having uh, falling pregnant, and out of that revival came a baby. And uh, we were involved in the Toronto Blessing again, another church up in uh, in Canada, and uh, they just started preaching one day, and the Holy Spirit moved in a powerful way, and uh, it, it was it was different to the to the Pensacola revival, uh, and that uh, there was part of that was the laughing revival. People laughed, and people got changed, and all manner of, of, of things happened. But if you look throughout history, there's been some amazing revivals. this, this church is part of INC. International Network of Churches, uh, which was uh, formerly known as Christian Outreach Centre. And Christian Outreach Centre was birthed out of the Charismatic Revival. And what happened in, a, in, a, in the mid-70s was that the Holy Spirit moved again. And there were people uh, in in mainline churches, Methodist churches and Anglican churches and Baptist churches. Suddenly that they started speaking in tongues. And that the Methodist Church, particularly with the COC Church, the Methodist Church goes, you can't speak in tongues in this church, and kicked the guy out. His name was Clark Taylor. Kicked him out. And Clark Taylor went outside and went, well, what am I going to do now? So he started Christian Harry Centre. And uh, it's City Point Church is the church that he started. Uh, a church of thousands of people. And uh, there's 149 INC churches now across Australia. Uh, about another 400 in the South Pacific. And probably another 400 worldwide. All started because of the charismatic renewal where, where Clark Taylor was kicked out of his church. Uh, I was in a church in Wollongong uh, that was also part of the charismatic revival. Eh? Bill Beard was uh, in a church that didn't believe in the tongues or in the Holy Spirit. And he was kicked out of his church. And so he started Lighthouse Christian Center. And that was a church where I met Melanie. And as a result, we have Laura. Oh, uh, and Lakeisha. Yeah, but Lakeisha came from the Pensacola Revival. I know my children by what revival they came from okay I need to move on anyway so I just love revivals and at the turn of the century there was a not this last century but the century before 1900s there was a uh, a guy by the name name of William Daddy Seymour he was African-American and he was the son of freed slave owners, so it's not it's not that far ago. Far ago, it's only a hundred years ago, and he was this guy. He he his parents were were slaves, and they'd been set free. And this guy, William Daddy Seymour, he only had one eye, and uh, he was a mentor. He, he he was being mentored. He was a disciple of a guy called Charles Parnham. Who's heard of Charles Parnham? Okay, uh, and, and Charles Parnham uh, talked to this guy and, 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 and mentored him. And, and so uh, William Daddy Seymour in 1906 had an opportunity to preach in a little church in L.A. And so he got up and he was really excited and he got up and he preached on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And they padlocked him out of the church. The topic was so controversial. And so William Daddy Seymour would, would go to Charles Parnham's church, but because he was black, they wouldn't let him into the service. And so he had to sit out on the, uh, on the, the steps that went down from the church. He would sit there and, 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 and just try and listen to the preaching and listen to the worship because he was black and he wasn't allowed in church. A couple of months later, William Daddy Seymour was uh, conducting some uh, 10 days of prayer and fasting And uh, at a a, a house on Evie Street, which is actually quite famous now. And you can actually go to L.A. and do tours through the Evie Street house. And uh, he's doing these uh, these prayer meetings. And the Holy Ghost fell on the house so amazingly that neighbours called the fire department because they saw flames on the roof of the house. And the fire department came up to put out the flames of the Holy Spirit. How amazing is that? And so this 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 revival, uh, the, these meetings that William Daddy Seymour was having, just, just like just were just so explosive that he ended up renting a old horse stable. Actually, we have got a photo. I think we put the photo up. Yeah. So that that's the, the Apostolic Faith uh, was oh, Apostolic Faith Gospel was what it was called. It was an old old. And this is William Daddy Seymour, and uh, and this was an old horse stable. And the the stories were saying that, that we're talking about that that the the place smelled so bad because uh, they didn't have time to clean up and they're having these revival meetings and uh, William Daddy Seymour and the Azusa Street. Who's out of Azusa Street? So this is the Azusa Street revival and uh, uh, Pentecostal say or people say that it was the birth right there of the modern Pentecostal movement. Azusa Street. When when the the, the. the the main preaching was about the Holy Spirit and about the baptism of tongues and praying in, la- in, in the heavenly prayer language. And we're doing a series at the moment on the power of prayer. And we've, we've looked at the, the prayer of repentance through Psalm 51. We've looked at the prayer of Nehemiah. We looked at the the, the smell of God in our prayer that, that Caleb preached an amazing message on. Uh, I still go to Chemist Warehouse and, and just look for my smell, but I can't find my smell anywhere under $25. But uh, And... So last the last two weeks we've been preaching on the authority that we have in Jesus' Name, the, the fact that we can use the, the delegated authority of Jesus Christ. And uh, this may be my last week preaching on prayer because I may start Easter next week. Uh, but I, I thought that I needed to pray, I needed to preach on praying in tongues. That, that there's, a, there's a heavenly prayer language uh, that is about praying in tongues. And I am, I'm an absolute fan of praying in tongues. I am a rabid Pentecostal. I love being a rabid Pentecostal. And uh, I love praying in tongues. I love the Holy Spirit. And I, I remember I grew up in an Anglican church in Picton. And uh, we didn't we didn't pray in tongues in, in the Anglican church. But my parents used to sneak into the Pentecostal church in Sydney occasionally. You know, Peter AOG and to Sutherland Assemblies of God and we, we'd sneak into the churches there and we'd get a glimpse of the Holy Spirit and my, both my parents spoke in tongues and sometimes I'd wake up in the morning and I'd hear my dad praying in tongues in his office and so as an Anglican, a little Anglican boy this was my glimpse of, of praying in tongues I remember when I got to about 16 I remember asking my mum what's the Holy Spirit thing about? Like what's this What's this praying in tongues thing? And I remember my mum showing me in her Bible some, some scriptures and uh, right about that time my girlfriend's mother had a car accident and she'd been sneaking, because she was an Anglican too, she'd been sneaking up to a Pentecostal church in Barrel. And so my girlfriend's sister said to my girlfriend, would Peter drive us up to the Pentecostal church in Barrel on a Sunday night? So I would be a good Anglican in the morning <laughs> and a seeking Anglican at night in the, Barrel Lighthouse Church. And I remember I'd been going there for about three or four months and then the pastor, guy by the name of Ian Sampson, said, if anybody wants to receive the Holy Spirit, you can come out the front. And I'd been reading my mum's Bible and I'd been, been seeking and I'd been listening and, and I'd been asking questions about the Holy Spirit and I was thirsty for the Holy Ghost. And so I thought, man, this is this is my day. And I still remember it was, it was August 25, 1987. Now if 1987 sounds like a long time ago, boys and girls, That means I'm old. So you you think 987 is a long time ago, don't you? Yeah. You were four there, okay, right, right. See? See, see, see. Anyway, Caleb, you probably weren't even born, were you? Your parents probably weren't even born, but anyway. 987, 25th of August, two days before my trial, HCC. I remember I went out the front. I still remember what I was wearing. I was wearing green pants, green collared shirt. It was ugly, it was just ugly, ugly clothing. Brown shoes. I remember I went out the front, and I, I, I put my hand, hands in the air and it was like there were power sockets that I had just put my fingers straight into the power sockets. And I remember this, this, this bolt of electricity went through me like, like, like nothing else I'd ever experienced. And I opened my eyes because I thought I'd better look at the pastor. He's about to pray for me. And I'm looking up and the pastor's like way up there. I'm going, how did he get way up there? I'm on the floor. <laughs> right? And so I hear him say, get him up. And so I get up, so they they like force me to my feet, but I can't really stand. So now I've got bouncers, I've got guys on either side, I've got keepers, I've got people. Anyway, he goes, put put your hands in the air again. I put my hands in the air and just thump down on the floor. And uh, that was pretty much all I remember of that night. But I got baptised in the Spirit that night and started speaking tongues. And I have never stopped speaking tongues since 987. I love the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and that set my walk. Now, I was already I was already a Christian. I, if I had, had died on August 24, 1987, I would have gone to heaven. This is not about getting to heaven, but this is about taking my walk with God up to another level. And uh, I have it, it kind of set my walk on fire, and and I have I've not looked back. I'm, I'm passionate. I love. Uh, I, I'm, I'm still in love with the local church. I'm still in love with the Holy Ghost, and it's been 985, 987... 34, 30 years, 32 years, a long time and I'm still loving the Holy Ghost and so I want to preach this morning on speaking in tongues. I did have one lady or one couple come to me one time and they said Peter we've been in a church that actually preaches against speaking in tongues and against the Holy Spirit and I said that's okay. They said we we need to we need to find out about the Holy Spirit and whether there's even such a thing as tongues and the Holy Spirit I said great no problems I said I'll meet you in a cafe but I said on one condition I'm going to leave my Pentecostal Bible at home and I want you to bring your Baptist Bible and so they bought their Baptist Bible and we sat in a cafe and you know what we found? that their Baptist Bible is very similar to my Pentecostal Bible. <laughs> and they were gobsmacked. They said, How, where are all these verses been for the last 10 years of our life? And I said, they're in there. And they were amazed at the fact that the Holy Spirit is in the New Testament and that tongues is a thing. And it's, in, it's now in 2019. Front, centre, Holy Ghost. So this morning, I'm going to use a, a fair number of Scriptures because I want to show you that speaking in tongues, glossolalia is the Greek term I want to I preach on speaking in tongues But I want to use lots of scriptures Because I don't want you to think oh, This is just something This is a doctrine of the Pentecostals This is a doctrine of INC No, no, this is a doctrine of the Bible Okay, so I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures. So we're going to run through it. And uh, I'm happy to give you my notes. If you want my notes, if I'm going too fast, uh, if you kind of go, I want to, I want to study this more. Uh, I mean, every, all the life groups is going to be studying it this week. So you could get yourself into a life group. If you're not in a life group, get yourself in a life group and they will be studying it. And you can ask them lots of really hard questions. John 3.16. Luke 3.16, would you believe? John 3.16, I'm going, that doesn't look like John 3.16. Luke 3.16, John answered and said to him, to to all, I indeed baptise you with water. But one mightier than I is coming whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. This is speaking of Jesus. John the Baptist is saying there's a guy coming called Jesus who's gonna baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Mark sixteen and verse seventeen. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, which is what we were talking about last week and the week before. The fact that we have the ability through the delegated authority of Jesus Christ to cast out demons, we would they will cast out demons and they will speak with new tongues now Jesus tells his disciples he's resurrected this is post Easter Jesus and he says to his disciples before you go out into the world I want you to wait until you get a gift from heaven and that gift is the Holy Spirit, Acts 1 and 8. But you shall receive power. This is dunamis power. Remember last week I was talking about kratos power. Kratos and dunamis power, very similar. You're going to receive power. There's going to be a, a, an endowment of power on you. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, but you shall be witnesses in me in, uh, to me in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You shall receive power. There's a power gift. Now I believe at this point in time, the disciples were Christians. Jesus was resurrected. They, they, they kind of, uh, they had faith in Jesus. So there's, it's not a salvation thing. And I want you, I want to hear, want to make this really, really clear. Speaking in tongues is not necessary to get into heaven. Yeah. Now I know that there's some Pentecostal churches that preach that extremity, and I know I've been, I've, 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 I've been accused in the past of preaching that doctrine. But I want to make it really clear. How do you get to heaven? Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, full stop. There's no asterisk there, it's Jesus. How do you get to heaven? You ask Jesus into your life, you express faith in Him, you ask Him to forgive your sins, done. Is that a work of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. The Bible talks about that we're convicted of sin, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, that leads us to Jesus and so we get, we, there's a work of, 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 of salvation, the work of the Holy Spirit at salvation. In fact, I think, and I'm going off my notes here, but I've got plenty of time, uh, so don't worry about that. Uh, there's actually three works of the Holy Spirit. There's one work at salvation. Yeah. You have to become, you have to know that you are a sinner. And so the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. If we don't know that we're a sinner, why do we have need of a Saviour? Yeah. So we've got to have this need. We, we've got to understand that we are a sinner. And the Holy Spirit brings that conviction on us. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Second one is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is a separate occurrence to salvation. And for me, that was a one-off thing. I I accepted, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I speak in tongues. One-off, beautiful. But then the third one is, the Bible says, but be being filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, that is a daily occurrence that we would come into the presence of God and constantly be filled with the Holy Spirit. So three distinct operations of the Holy Ghost. One is salvation. Two at the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Three every day. Let's keep going. Acts 8 you you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So then that happened on the day of Pentecost. Now there's 120 people in the upper room. 120 in the upper room. They've been praying for 10 days. Now here's an interesting thing. This is a really important thing. None of the 120 in the upper room were uninterested, unconcerned, lukewarm and on their phone. I'm going to say that again because it's important. There's 120 in the upper room. None of them were uninterested, unconcerned, lukewarm or on their phone. In other words, the prerequisite, I believe, and I'm going to say this at the end of my sermon, the prerequisite for receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that you thirst, that you hunger. And I look back to my experience back in 1987, and there was a hunger, there was, a, there was I'd seen it for years, this mystery of my parents speaking in tongues and of, 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 in the Pentecostal church. And There was this mystery and, and, and I, I was curious about it and, and, and I, I hadn't really had much teaching on it because I was in Anglican church. And so I, I, I went to my mum and my mum taught me on it. Then I'm in a Pentecostal church and I kind of believe that was the, the, the providence of God. I don't think he crashed my girlfriend's car, mother's car to get me there, but I was there. The providence of God, the direction of God, direction of His Holy Spirit. And for a few weeks I sat under the, the teaching of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The fact that there's this, this, this other, uh, other experience, I'd, I'd been saved. Now I'm hearing about this second experience, I'd witnessed it for years in my, my parents' house. There was a thirst, there was a hunger, there was, a, there was, a, there was a, a, an interest. One of the challenges I see as I've preached on speaking in tongues in, in other places is that I do an altar call at the end. I say, if, you're, if you want to be baptised in the Holy Spirit, now's your day. And I get people come out the front and I go, do you want the Holy Spirit? And they go, oh, maybe. I don't know. Seems like a good idea. Is there a, do I get a t-shirt? <laughs> and there's not that thirst. There's not that leaning. There's not that hunger. And, and I, I found that, that one of the great blockages to receiving the Holy Spirit is being lukewarm. Yeah. It's just kind of going, uh, you know, maybe. Yeah. Oh, sounds good. I mean, my girlfriend speaks in tongues. Maybe I should. Not a good enough reason. There has to be a longing, a thirsting, a hunger. It's like the woman with the issue of blood crawls through the crowd. There's a, there's a desire. There's a, there's a desperation. I think that's, that, that's something that, that, that we lack in life because everything, everything about our life is about comfort. We love comfort. And if we try... Uh, it's kind of funny. It's funny how impatient we are. Something takes longer than about seven minutes. I'm ringing someone. We're so impatient. I lost my phone. I had my phone stolen in Hong Kong. And I, when I came home, I got a new phone and I had to set up the new phone and then I had to set up like new apps and banks. And But if anything took longer than seven minutes, I was ringing someone, it's broken. There's, there's an impatience in us. And you, you watch videos and a video doesn't grab you in like 20 seconds, you're out. Nah, i do not watching that, slow. We're so, we're so impatient, I find, and maybe it's just because I've, I've reached that, that pinnacle where I've actually turned into a grumpy old man. I don't know. And oh, you laugh, Chris. You were there way years ago. Okay, that's true. That is true. That is true. Knows you didn't say that he's not old. I think there is need when it comes to our Christian faith to get back to some old-fashioned hungering after God and hungering after God doesn't come in seven minutes it doesn't come when you when you watch a six second vine or look at a meme hungering after God can take weeks and months where you hunger after God where there's a there's a there's a pushing where there's a there's a there's a come on god i need you i'm i'm desperate it's like the woman with the issue of blood she's crawling on her hands and knees through the dust the bible said when she had heard about this jesus someone had told her maybe someone had told her multiple times maybe someone had told her 3 months ago and she was looking back at the ancient scrolls of who this jesus is and there was a hunger in her life to the point that she was so desperate that she would risk being stoned because she was a woman with an issue of blood out in public. And she would, she would risk her own life on the off chance that maybe Jesus would heal her. That there was a desperation, there was a hunger. If you look at every single person that came before Jesus that got a miracle, there was a desper- the desperation and a hunger in their life. The woman caught with, with, with in adultery, in the very act of adultery, there's desperation, there's men with rocks. Hovering around her. They are ready to stone her. Desperate before Jesus. Every single person that got a miracle in in life when Jesus walked the earth was desperate, hungry. When we come to receive the Holy Spirit, we have to be the same. Acts 2 and verse 1 to 4, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. This is known as the day of Pentecost. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the sound, when this sound occurred, the multitude came and were confused, because everyone who heard them speak in his own, everyone heard them speak in his own language. They were all amazed and marvelled, saying, "To one another, look at, are these not these who speak Galatians? And how is it now that we hear each one in our own language, in which we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites?" Those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judah, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia A couple other places, Egypt and the parts of Libya (laughs) Adjoining Cyrene You don't know how to say it anyway A couple other places, that was fine Visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs We hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God So they're all amazed and perplexed, saying saying to one another Whatever could this mean? Others mocking said they're full of new wine But Peter standing up, now, here's a question. But Peter standing up, was he slain the spirit? Or was he just sitting down? We don't know, but I'm just asking a question. But Peter standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And so there's a prophecy coming. It it shall come to to pass in the last days, said God, that I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And I believe that we in a Pentecostal church on Sunday morning, the 7th of April, is the fulfilment of that particular prophecy. That God is going to pour out in the last days, He's going to pour out His Spirit on all flesh. And it started at the day of Pentecost. And it went through for 2,000 years and was kick-started again at Azusa Street, the Azusa Street Revival. For a hundred years, it's been flowing afresh. And here we are today. Jesus made a promise to his disciples. The Holy Spirit is going to come. He said, it's actually, he said, it's to your benefit that I go away. Imagine, Kev, if you were there 2000 years ago, you would have said, Kev, big Kev. I'm Jesus, right? He's talking to you, you're Kev, big Kev. He's going, big Kev, it's okay. Don't fear that I'm going away. Because it's to your advantage that I go away because I'm going to go to the Father and He's going to send you the Holy Spirit and He's going to teach you in all things. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to comfort you and He's going to be better to you than I am to you. Because I'm up there. You're saved, but now you're going to get the comfort and the courage of the, the, the Holy Spirit. What an amazing thing for Jesus to say. I would think, If I was the disciples I probably would have argued I would have said How about this Jesus Let's workshop some other options Okay Great I love your plan But workshopping some other options What about you stay here And You bring the Holy Spirit as well We could do like the the three Me, Holy Spirit, Jesus And the other 109 in the upper room How about we do that? But Jesus said, no, it's to your advantage that I go away because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. So he promised. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. So we see in the early church in Acts 19. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples there, he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much even... Has heard where there's a Holy Spirit. Now, here's a couple of things. Let's get theological for a moment. Paul comes to Ephesus and finds some Christians. Now, he knows they're believers. The Bible identifies them as believers. That means if they die, when they die, they're going to heaven. They're believers. But Paul inquires of them. He says, hey guys, when you believed, did you also receive the Holy Spirit? Now, they said, we don't even know what, the, what, the, what, is there a Holy Spirit? We don't even know about the Holy Spirit. And so Paul says, into what into what baptism then were you baptised? And he said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, well John indeed baptised with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that he's on Christ Jesus. And when they hear this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they've got water baptism now. So they're believers. We're unpacking this. They're the believers. Now they've been water baptised. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. So you see, throughout the New Testament, we see Jesus, we see John the Baptist promising the Holy Spirit through Jesus. Jesus promising the Holy Spirit we see the Holy Spirit coming on the day of Pentecost. Then we see different times throughout the, the New Testament where the place was shaken and the Holy Spirit came, where hands were placed on disciples and they spoke in other tongues. And then we see the early church where Paul starts to give teaching about the early church, uh, about the Holy Spirit to the, to the early church, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 14. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially as you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Now, I may not get to this this week, but I may unpack this next week. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Wow. For no one understands him. Well, that's a given. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who, speak, he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to all men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. Now listen to this. Paul says, okay, get this right. This is Paul. This is like the champion of the New Testament. This is the guy that got incredible revelation on who Jesus is. This is what Paul says. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied, for he prophesied is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets, so the church may receive edification. He goes on and he says, I'm just going to jump ahead in verse 18, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than all of you. This is Paul, the, the, the guy that got the revelation. I, I look at that, I go, if, if it's good enough for Paul, That's good enough for Peter. It's good enough for Paul. It's good enough for Murray. Murray needs it. (laughs) (laughs) So as we finish off, we've got nine minutes. I'm going to do part two next week because then I'm going to get into the meaty stuff because then we've got to actually get into, because that was just my introduction. Uh, Then I want to get into the function and the purpose of speaking in tongues and actually unpack some of those Corinthian scriptures and some other ones. So we'll do that next week because I don't want to rush it. Because I know that I've got nine minutes and I know that all I do is just speak really quickly. So I've asked a couple of people who I know speak in tongues to give a 30-second testimony on what the Holy Spirit has done in their life. Like what, what's this experience like? Like what has it done to your, to your walk? So Murray, why don't, you, why don't you jump up here, Murray, and you go first. You go first. You may as well stand down there. Just stand up here. Stand up here so we can see you.
1: No, you can see me. <laughs> um, I think I got baptized in the Holy Ghost 10 years before you, which is even older. That's minus four for you. That's minus four for you, minus four. Here, minus four. Um, but when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I was, down in a, I was living in a place called Mentone in the middle of Melbourne. Got baptized in the Holy Spirit down at a Christian revival crusade church in Frankston. Uh, by the pastor by the name of Don Dawson, which is an old, very old, anyway, that's history. Uh, when I got baptised in the Holy Spirit, I was 16 years old. I got baptised in water in the same night. I was uh, attending a Mentone Baptist church, and they wanted me to do three months' worth of baptism classes. Um, and my mum said to me, no, 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 just come and we'll get water baptised. So I got water baptised, and on the same night I got water baptized. I, I got baptised in the Holy Spirit. The first thing that happened that I noticed in my life... I could not stop singing about Jesus. There's a very old song, uh, Jesus, a very old song. And I could not stop singing about Jesus. I just could not stop. It, you know, something in my life changed me. And of course I prayed in tongues. And I just love praying in tongues. Anybody who hears me pray, I love praying in tongues. I love praying very loudly in tongues. I just shout in tongues. Well, not shout, that's just a very loud voice. Uh because I, I you know it's the fervent prayer of the righteous man will avenge munch you, you know you just can't whisper like a church mouse in the side of the corner you just got to get out there and just give it to it and that changed me that that uh when uh, peter will probably go to it next week but in romans of course it says he who prays in her tongues prays according to the will of god and that's what i love that's the part that i love because listen I, i've prayed thousands of prayers Sometimes you just don't know what to pray. And so I pray in tongues because it just, uh, it, to me also, it's that connection between the Spirit and reality of where we live you know how how do we get this spirit involved in our lives how do we get the spirit involved in in everything that we do and so i love praying in tongues in the mornings i just shout in the mornings just praying in tongues just let some fire come out of you just some water come out of you you know Uh, because you are praying according to the will of god and that's that's the part that i love
0: awesome fantastic great david come and share what your experience has been praying in tongues or getting getting baptized in the holy spirit just just
2: (laughs) let me combine Peter's message last week about the demonic and tongues today. Yeah. There's a heap of war stories I can share with you, most of which you won't believe. But let, me, let me share this. Some of you know that I do inner healing ministry uh, deliverance. All right? Over the years, there's been a number of people I've met where they've, come, they've left uh, the occult. And these folks are high at the occult and they've had incredible um, pain and torture uh, when they were younger, all right? To the extent where uh, I'm speaking to a demon directly, the person is not there. It's as clear as if I'm talking to, to Peter now, all right? And so, but every now and again, these um, these demons try to challenge me, they challenge my authority. They'll do that, all right? I learned very early on about the power of, of tongues and spiritual warfare. It is so powerful. Now, there's been a number of times where they have challenged me directly and say, for example, you've got no authority. I love it when they say that. because <laughs> they, They're challenging me. And when they do that, that gives me room to move. I do two things. One, I, I get up out of my chair and they're there. They're, I get a bit of angel support. They're there. They can't move. I put my hand on the person's head and I pray for 30 seconds, 60 seconds and they start going like this they go, all right, all right that's what they say all right, all right it acts like a microwaved not to the person they're not present. the demon feels pain through the tongues and they they comply. The other time, again when they challenge because even they got I know my authority which you all have the same authority, by the way, yeah. every one of you here, um, is when, um, again, they'll, they'll challenge me, um, uh, even, and they might, uh, uh, I might be very close to getting this person free. And so the, their last-ditch effort to challenge my authority, which never works, and I use what I call my grumpy Jesus voice. <laughs> That's one. Now, I don't know. It's where they continually defy me and I go, okay, you're not defying me, you're defying the blood and the of the true Lord Jesus Christ. He will deal with you as he sees fit. And so I just sit there, and I, I, use, I go a bit more firmer. I go, I know what I'm saying, but he goes, okay, okay. So Jesus speaks to the, to the demon directly through the tongues. I'm not sure what I'm saying, but tell you what, he takes notice and goes, all right, all right. Yeah. So I want to encourage you, The demonic knows the power of tongues Mm. in fact those in the higher up occult have their own tongues Mm. and so if the kingdom of darkness mimics something the kingdom of light has you know it's powerful Mm. all right it is most powerful for spiritual warfare Mm. it's very powerful i'm not sure i'm still working at how it works even after all these years but let me tell you the kingdom of darkness knows it works they will do anything to stop you getting baptized in the spirit i used to be i came from the salvation army now, Peter was saying before that um, you're going to want it. You really want it. I remember when I was 18 and I read a book called The Gifts of the Holy Spirit by a guy called Don Basham, I think. Old book, all right? I thought oh, I, was in, I was in trouble with the police at that stage. I was a Christian. i got to get my right, right, of right. the Holy Spirit. Jesus, it was on a Saturday morning. I got on my knees and I said, I'm not getting off my knees until I get, until I get baptized in the Spirit. 60 seconds later, by myself, there was no church involved. 60 seconds later, I was, I was speaking in tongues. I was so physically energized by that i had to hop on my bike my push bike because i my license was taken away uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a long story um, um and then right around the block i was so energized i had this love for people and i'm like what do i do with this love i don't know i went, I went, to, went to the salvos it was a bit disappointing then a bit like peter's story i went to the officer there and i said look I've just been baptized in the Holy Spirit. i speak speaking in tongues. I want to. I want fellowship. And he, I remember it very clearly. He leaned back in his chair, hand behind. And goes, "It's lovely, David, but um, we don't do that here." <laughs> I sort of attended that church for a couple of years, thinking I was a new Christian. Okay, they know a bit more than me. But uh, I snuck out <laughs> to AOG churches, got an AOG pastor to baptize me, you know, or by stealth. But let me. T- I want to just share. It is most powerful. In terms of warfare. Yeah,
0: great. Awesome.
3: Fantastic. Fantastic. One more, Renee.
2: Thirty seconds. Thirty seconds.
3: Okay. All right. I've quickly got six points. So number one. No, I do. Quickly. Quickly. I got this. Shush. Um, I've often heard it say, actually, by Clark Taylor, that um, the Holy Spirit comes into us for salvation and on us for ministry. So one, I found it very effective for ministry. Two, I found it to be a doorway um, to the spiritual realm. I didn't move in the prophetic. I didn't see pictures or visions or anything like that. But I was baptised in the Holy Spirit and that's when I started um, to move in those ways and to get really strong dreams from God as well. Um, Number three, activates your spirit, man. Um, So it, it fires you up. And, um, you know, when we're praying prophetically, we pray in tongues prior, and we pray in tongues just before we pray for someone. Um, So... It, i consider that to be essential actually number four shifts atmospheres you know when you're walking into a place and it feels heavy or you are um, feeling yuck again by praying in the in tongues praying in the holy spirit um it, it shifts atmospheres around you and that changes um number five as dave was saying when you need to take authority in a situation when you are faced with a demonic presence or you're waking up from a dream and you it's you know there's been spiritual warfare um it enables you to take authority over those situations as well. And number six, when you don't know what to pray, um, the Holy Spirit intercedes for you. You know, the Bible talks about how the Holy Spirit um, interceding in groans. So there you go. Done.
0: Fantastic. Thank you. As the has come back, that'll be great. Murray runs a prayer meeting at 5 o'clock on a Tuesday morning, and uh, he walked into the prayer meeting, or he was doing the prayer meeting on Tuesday, and everyone was praying in tongues and
4: uh, I won't tell your story, you can tell the story. Ben. Morning everyone, Um, I better stand up. Okay, so we walked in on Tuesday morning, actually my kids, I've got three sons and a daughter, and I was telling, the night before I was telling my my boys that I was going to a prayer meeting in the morning, they they all said, I wanna come daddy. So I said, if I come into your room and I try to wake you up, you don't get up, I'm leaving, you're staying home. So I went in and I tried to wake them all up. I'm walking out the door and one of the kids wakes up. It was Seth, my number two son. So he comes and uh, and it's just going to be the two of us going. And then all of a sudden my oldest son and my youngest son both woke up at the same time. And we're actually leaving the house and then come running down the stairs. We're coming too. So we arrive up here at uh, five o'clock in the morning and... Walk in the door, and it's like Holy Spirit. It's so loud. People are speaking in tongues, and the kids look at me like like with uh, uh, deer in headlights. So I had to walk them out the other door, <laughs> and give them a bit of a bit of an education on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And I said, "You don't have to get baptized in the Holy Spirit today, um, but just come on in and and just walk around like everybody else is walking around. They're all speaking in tongues. Just ignore them and." And, uh, and just pray, you know, pray, pray, to, pray to the Lord And then probably half an hour later Two of my, my oldest two sons, they said I want to be baptised in the Holy Spirit wow. So I, I lay hands on them and I prayed for them And then they started speaking in tongues The oldest one first, the second one later on But um, even that, that morning, two of my sons The youngest son and number two son Had visions my my number my my youngest son you don't get boo out of him he doesn't talk, but he said that um, he was at a golden gate, he was holding Jesus' hand and he could see a city of gold. My number two son he has visions like their their TV series with several episodes so I can't remember what he said, but but um, that day my number two son went to school they go Livingston Street, Christian College. And he's asked a teacher there if he can hold a prayer and Bible study. It's going to start next term.
0: That's so good. So good. Awesome. Wow. What great testimonies. We might have a few more of those next week. We'll continue this part two next week. Uh, If you want to... uh, We're going to finish up because I've gone over time. David went over time. And uh, Murray... uh, (laughs) if you would like some prayer, if you would like prayer for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, I certainly know David, Murray, uh, the, the prayer team. We would all love to, to pray with you, lay hands on you. Uh, the, the, the key prerequisite for me is the lean in, the thirst. Uh, and we're going to pray more next Sunday. Uh, but we're going to finish off with worship. Church is finished. Don't have some food fellowship in the Cafe Esperanza. Uh, AGM starts at 11.30, just for 20 minutes, 25 minutes. You're more than welcome to come and, uh, and see where our, our finances are. Uh, most welcome. But have a great week. Uh, if if this is new to you, if you are visiting and maybe you go, man, I, you're, you're like the church at Ephesus in, in Acts 19. We didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. Then make sure you come back for part two next Sunday. And uh, we'll keep filling in the gaps and we'll pray hands, we'll lay hands on you and pray for you. And you too can become a rabid Pentecostal just like us. (laughs) Fantastic. Hope you enjoyed that message. Have a blessed week.